Hello everyone. I'm Isabella Santana, actress, producer at the NGO If Not As In Who, host of this podcast, and Patasho, indigenous nation of the South of Bahia, northeast of Brazil. This is a very special podcast where we'll be having amazing guest speakers and we'll be talking about how our narratives are connected to the land and how the land is the guardian of our identities. And and I'm here with Davi from the YUU people. It's an honor to have you here. <laughs> let's start our impact storytelling yes. podcast. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> David Hernandez Palmar, Tanulia. Um, hey, um, my name is David Hernandez Palmar. I'm from the Wayu Peoples, uh, from Colombia and Venezuela. I'm a producer, and storyteller, filmmaker, photographer, and I work at If Not Us and Who, um, running the mentorship program uh, with my colleagues, Jay and Isa. And yeah, uh, we are, you know, having this great time of. Uh, making spaces for younger generations to tell the stories from the tropical forest. For me, it is a good pleasure to do the intro of the first uh, episode of the podcast. It means a lot for our people to have uh, our voice of, uh, you know, to be part of the big conversation. There won't be climate justice um, if our voices are not being heard. And yeah, we're going to have uh, a lot of uh, really great indigenous leaders as guests of this uh, episode. So thanks for inviting me. Yeah, exactly. Um, throughout this this podcast, we'll be talking with many um, indigenous people from all over the world. Um, we are going to explain a little bit about the importance of impact storytelling and how all of this is very um, strongly related to climate justice and how um, there's no a way of having climate justice without racial justice. Um, so I've met Davi four years ago at the Imaginative Festival. And since then, we've built a very beautiful um, friendship. And it's been one year we've been working together at If Not Us Then Who. We work together in the mentorship team. It's a program called Emerging Filmmakers Program. And we have more than 25 mentees um, from all over the world, um, mainly Global South. David, tell, tell, tell them a little bit about the program. <laughs> so, yeah, as Isa mentioned, you know, I met her in Toronto in, well, yeah, years ago. And she's unforgettable. I mean, I saw this young lady who, you know, runs a, uh, 
you know, like a platform, you know, visibility in Gijin. I was like, you know, hey, what a cool name, you know, Gijin's visibility. And what was all that about? Especially you were invited, you know, directly from Imaginative. They don't do that very often. And and I was like, you know, wow, you know, she was invited as a special mm -hmm. guest to Toronto. So there must be something really great that she's bringing with her. And, uh, yeah, so when I met you, not only I just confirmed that you had a lot of things to share, but also, you know, like, for me, it was really important just to have another relative from Brazil that, you know, we're looking for the same, you know, outcomes. We're sharing the same, you know, like, um, needs, if, if that's the correct word, but was more like, you know, we're... There, there were a lot of coincidences, and we started to create a database of uh, film festival showcases in Brazil, and that's how we started to work previous to get together at Who. So, and then, you know, the adventure started with the mentorship, you know. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, we, we were <laughs> celebrating it, actually. You know, this is very cool because not every day you have people that, you know, they truly believe you, that have a lot of faith in you and your work, although the crazy ideas you might have, you know, at the very beginning. And people might not get it at the very moment, but there is intuition there. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, that, um, you know, I think that's spirit within the team, if not as in who. And um, yeah, so we designed a mentorship program aimed to have mentees from tropical forest, local indigenous uh, communities uh, who had um, you know experiences to share uh, through cinematography. And then Jay Renault, who's a colleague from um, from Scotland. Um, we started to design to think, you know, well, first of all, we had to, like, <laughs> go over 300, you know, applications worldwide. And then just to, well, what would be the criteria, you know, for us to do mm -hmm. the selection? And then, you know, it was really clear for us, you know, just to take account uh, regions, tropical forests, global south. And and also, like, you know, um, initiatives or storytellers and, and in collectives that, they would provide something to the to the reason why we created the mentorship, and um, it was really great just to take care of their needs. And we were creating every space and every session based on what expectations, right? And um, and most of them they were you know having issues just such as connectivity, or sometimes mm -hmm. you know they were you know. Um, like political issues there in the countries that we're living mm. in. So like in protest or, you know, there were some of them that were, you know, threatened because of the work they do. So they had just to be low key. So I, I think, you know, that's one thing in common. We all come from communities that we are, you know, different bioregions. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there is a common struggle and there is something that we want just to build around communication. And most of them, you know, they're not only being part of the mentorship, and that's something really cool because uh, aside of that thing, they didn't know each other, so they met, for instance, in, in Guatemala. There was like, you know, like uh, gathering just communicators that work actually with biodiversity. And then, you know, when they saw each other in person, they say like, 
hey, so you are my classmate, you know, at the, <laughs> at the mentorship. So there was something really, like, uh, incredible and magical around, you know, they getting together. Like, you know, how come if Nadasen, who through the mentorship, they put us together, and yet, you know, aside of that, we also gather in other spaces. Yeah, I mean, this is, like, you know, a proof, like, there's a generous magic taking place out there. Yeah, and it's all about storytelling. Yes. And it's this podcast, I think that, like, by talking to you, I just felt that this is a celebration for us as well of all these years of, all these years of work individually and also in this first year of the mentorship as well. So... Yeah, but it's also, you know, I will, I will, I will, I will love to also mention that, you know, the role that you've been playing is really crucial as well. Because you and I, you know, as coordinators, we have a lot of things to get done, you know, through, I mean, inside of the organization. But also you've been, you know, like a key person just to do the follow-up and also like, you know, like um, just to make sure that people stay in touch with us and, and we give feedback, you know. And and also like we really appreciate your you know contributions and ideas. So I think you know a very important part of the mentorship. Not only because you do what you do, but also we rely on your you know criteria also to make decisions. And that you know you should talk about how do you feel about that? You know? How do you feel <laughs> about the mentorship? Like you know sometimes you wonder like I've. I'm a producer, but I feel like I'm more a producer. Yeah, of course you're more than a producer. <laughs> but, you know, so uh, you as a young, you know, indigenous, um, you know, woman and and also like, you know, the all, all those things about, you know, navigating through three languages, you know, in everyday basis, like, you know, we, you know, navigate through Portuguese, English, Spanish, and then we have to, you know, uh, that's really great thing. So I would love to ask you, you know, how do you feel about it and what's your role in the, the mentorship? How do you describe it? Yeah, I think it's a, a responsibility that I embrace with lots and lots of love and I get really involved. Um, it's really an honor to be having the opportunity to, to be doing all this stuff at, at my age. And it's it's really really nice to to be here like when i sometimes when i'm doing all this stuff i just think about my grandma like most of the things i do today it was because she fighted a lot back in the days and then passed this this struggle to my dad mm -hmm. so i that's where i get my all my force and all my strength for from so i feel i feel like a very strong person when i i manage to to accomplish um, this work, and yeah, like being, being it being like um, a very special place to me, to be also um, uh, a place for me to be able to dream and follow also my my acting career and like lots of stuff happening and <laughs> and when I do production, it's a way of also being close to cinema and. And yeah, like lots of things. I do lots of things. We all do lots of things. And and by doing this work, I really I really see that many things are possible and that we we have the right as indigenous people to dream and to try to do many different stuff because we are made of many different things. Yeah, and I just like try to walk with humility and 
my my ears open and hearing a lot. I think that's the way I like walking throughout the world. Um, so, Davi, I wanted to start talking about the importance of storytelling by mentioning a little bit of wh what our leader, um, Ayutun Krenaki, which is a very important leader for us in Brazil and for many indigenous people um, around the world. Um, and Ayutun says that we live in a world of war, with um, war between narratives, because in the world we live in, there are many other words that exist. Not only the Western world, but many indigenous universes exist mm -hmm. with them. And, and he says that we are living uh, a war because the narratives, um, many narratives are not being heard or conversed be between themselves. Um, how do you feel like that is the importance of bringing up our narratives as indigenous peoples? I think, first of all, we have to recognize there is a harm out there, you know, in terms of imagery, imagination, and the possibility to think of another world. And you mentioned, you know, that there are a lot of universes, and, you know, actually we can take a bit of that universe of our own cultures just to have a say, you know, as I said before, in the, in the big conversation around climate crisis. But... Also, it is a chance for us to recognize we have uh, solutions or that we are actually living solutions to combat climate crisis. But what that means in terms of narratives. So I think, you know, um, most of the narratives that are out there that are consented, that are mediated, they are not uh, meant to have us, you know, that is not inclusive. And that's why, and you know, the alternative contribution to uh, have another alternative narrative from the communities, it is because it doesn't have anything to go with, you know, like Ekatombe or like you know the the end of the world. So you know that you know notion of telling a story every time you're you know, like you are putting away the end of the world. And that's something that uh, brings hope, but also brings the, the possibility of new peoples to uh, revitalize their narratives, but also to um, to put on, on the table what are the solutions, what are the knowledge, you know, that uh, can be shared with the rest of the world. And I think it is a chance also to create togetherness, community, consciousness, and um, I, I, I like, you know, to think of, uh, uh, to have more and more and more knowledge and more contributions from other cultures of what is narrative. What the war, the war of narratives, it is also to recognize that indigenous peoples have technologies such as, you know, um, harvesting. And that's a key thing for the climate crisis right now, how people is gonna eat. And, you know, indigenous peoples, they do provide that through uh, food sovereignty. That may be, you know, a very, very simple metaphor, but the very end, you know, is a key thing for the effects, you know, the effect, the, you know, what, what, what the climate crisis is causing um, to most of the humanity or the human species, you know, yeah. And in, like, practical ways, 
in which way do you think, which tools can we be using as indigenous people to be telling our stories? I think we have to recognize that, you know, those tools were part of our culture. I'm not saying the camera, but the way we tell stories. Sometimes we call, you know, well, the, those are the, you know, like the instruments of the master. But then I think we believe that, but at the very end, if you think about it, that was taken away from us. And then we felt like, you know, we don't have the capacity other than, you know, telling, you know, in the old ways our stories. But then if you think of how people are just uh, taken all over the place by, you know, making films, making fiction, making podcasts or et cetera, you realize, you know, there is something natural there. That, you know, like, you know, we do that, we do that, you know, in a very easy way. Like, you know, well, the only problem is that we're nonstop, you know. <laughs> we're very, very generous with the words. And, um, yeah, so in a very practical way, I think it's recognizing that for every, you know, communicational uh, fruit, if I may say so, um, there is a practice of honoring our ancestors through storytelling, so, you know. Any means of communication means also uh, honoring the gift of storytelling. I, it reminded me of my dad because my dad is a huge storyteller. And for me, like storytelling is a way of life. That's <laughs> that is how we live. That's how we teach. Um, we, we pass on the teachings by storytelling. Um, we don't like say ex the exact thing. We, we usually tell a story to, to teach something. Going back to Ayutong, how do you think that storytelling can postpone the end of the world? I think, first of all, uh, we are the center of the narrative. These narratives put in the center our families. So every story we can relate to it because, you know, you may feel like that's your mother, that can be your grandmother, that can be your aunt, your uncle, any relative, you know, when you, you start to break down the narrative. And that's how we feel like, you know, as long as we exist, we will be, we were able to tell the stories and then we're postponing the end of the world because we're telling ourselves, you know, who we are, mm -hmm. where we come from. So I think uh, that can be nonstop. But, you know, that very notion is also compromised by the climate crisis. So I think it's more like, you know, putting uh, in a balance. Um, how can we tell stories if our very own land is compromised by climate crisis? So it's something that, you know, has to be, you know, taken account. And what brings me a lot of hope is what actually, you know, Alton says, like, you know, by telling stories, by creating the conditions to be a storyteller, we, we can postpone the end of the world. Yeah, I, I love to think about that in that way. There is this writer called Eliane Poitiguara. She's, well, she's one of like the biggest women writer that we, indigenous women writer we have. And she says like, I'm nothing. I'm just the granddaughter of Maria de Lourdes. I'm nothing. Like, and she's a huge writer. And the name of my grandma is also Maria de Lourdes. Um, and I say, like, I'm nothing. I'm just the granddaughter of Maria de Lourdes. <laughs> she was a very humble woman. And she had a brown skin. And she was a very strong warrior, a traveler as well, because 
she got outside of her village at a young age. So she got involved in the 80s um, national indigenous movement in Brazil. So she's been like the main guide for me in all, in everything I do. That was what I was saying to you, David, like she's the guide and, and, and the responsible for everything I'm doing. And she passed her struggle um, to, my, to my, my dad and my dad passed it to me like and and it's because of her that my family um ended up in the big city she she took us to the city of sao paulo and then she got back to bahia she was born in the extreme um south of bahia she is the daughter of casimira my grand grandma a very, very strong woman, very strict with education, very angry. <laughs> very tough. Yeah, <laughs> very tough. And and yeah, that's that that is our education. We were we were tough to be tough women and to keep going and to believe in ourselves. And and my people is like this. We we've been resisting for more than five hundred years. We are people of first contact in Brazil. And we can only be doing that because we are tough. And even though I haven't met my my grandmother my my grandma in in physical way, she gave me she and my, my dad gave me all the the strength to be tough and be doing what I'm doing. So yeah, I just That's a great memory. <laughs> That's a story. That's thanks a grandma. Story. <laughs> thanks grandma. Yeah, thanks grandma. <laughs> and thanks dad. <laughs> and thanks grand grandma. Thanks Casimira. Um and and yeah, I really wanted to thank you for being here and invite you all to to listen to our podcast and to pay attention to what's coming up. <laughs> and we invite you to follow If Not Us Then Who, to follow our channel here in Spotify. And already, thank you. Naya, yeah, let's say so. <laughs> <laughs> I want to sing a song that reminds me of my grandmothers. And it's about the courage of my people, the courage of my family, and it's in the Pachoja language. Thank you.
<laughs> this is the way I want to end. Already. Thank you. <laughs>